usually starting Mondays, we have music on Mondays, and then it's like music, karate, music, karate, yeah. I'm hanging out in a church basement with three members of a congregation, St. Sebastian's. This is not a wholly unfamiliar experience for me. While I don't work at St. Sebastian's, I am a pastor by training and ordination. My mission each day, should I choose to accept it, is to support people as they reflect and make meaning about the big questions and issues that matter to them. Over the past couple hours, I've been learning a lot about what matters to the lives of Lauren, Dylan, and Veronica. They're actually taking me on a tour of the summer camp they work for here at St. Sebastian's. So bear with me, it gets a little loud. Yeah, what's the talent show like? Is that like the like the culminating we, summer experience? Yeah. That's like a tradition. It's a tradition? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone looks forward to it. It's like usually like the day before the last day. And like everyone like spends time practicing it like over and over and over. Uh-huh. So we like get it and then we perform it for the parents on talent show day and everyone usually gets into it like the girls doing their makeup and their hair and the guys I don't know what's it like for the guys shorts and a shirt <laughs> shorts and a shirt he said if you didn't catch that last part there's a lot going on here so let me back up for a second first the noise it's camp of course so you're going to hear people shouting and playing in the background doors opening and closing and lots of music as those talent show dance routines get practiced over and over and over second the setting more broadly saint sebastian's is not actually the name of this church neither are my companions really veronica lauren and dylan we chose pseudonyms to protect the participants identity Partly because this is a podcast about my research, and uh, that's pretty standard practice, and partly because St. Sebastian serves a community of primarily first-generation immigrants from across Latin America. Most of the campers are U.S. citizens, but many of their parents are undocumented. So those standard research procedures felt especially important in this context. This is a podcast about lots of kinds of social change changing demographics in the United States, changing ideas about teaching and learning. I'm especially interested in the role faith communities and their leaders will play in society as more and more congregations are forced to close their buildings and downsize their programs in light of declining membership and funding. But that's not where our story begins. It begins with a photograph. I'm Kyle Oliver, and you're listening to Faith Adjacent, Stories about media, meaning, and what used to be called religious education. Uh, so did you take any pictures yesterday? Do you remember to get me? I, I didn't take some of them oh, okay. in the water because my phone's not waterproof, but so, I took pictures this morning. Oh, cool, cool. What kind of pictures did you get? Uh, some of the counters together. Uh, there was this one girl who, with kids playing with the yeah. kids. Yeah. Could, we, could we look at a couple? We had this conversation on day two of the field research for the first phase of my dissertation project. I study a methodology called digital storytelling, which is a structured media-making process developed by a nonprofit based in Berkeley, California. The idea of digital storytelling is to give participants the chance to reflect 
really deeply and in a multi-sensory way on an important moment in their lives. So they make short videos with words, photographs, and maybe a little bit of music. The trio of counselors decided they wanted to tell a story about camp, so they were taking photographs to start priming the pump. Lauren shared hers first. I have this one of a girl reading. Okay, can you like describe what's there? Um, the so we the had um, free time, and she had a, a Junie B. Jones book with her. A who? A Junie B. Jones book. Oh, okay. And so she was like, I was like sitting down, like watching over the kids. She just rests her head on my lap and she just starts to read. Oh, oh that's really sweet. And I was like, wow, you, everyone was like looking at her. They're like, wow, she's reading instead of playing. I was like, yeah, I need a picture of this. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Were you, were you surprised? I was, she's a very smart girl, so mm. I was like. Mm -hmm. And um, do you have a good relationship? Uh, she came in new this year. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, like, I've been sticking around her, like, helping her around. Uh -huh. So she's like, yeah, we're like, we're like this. There's a link to the photograph in the show notes for this episode if you want to see the picture. It's definitely a counselor's eye view of this little moment of embodied caring. So you'll sort of get to experience a bit of what that moment might have been like for Lauren. And of course, Opening up these little empathetic windows is the whole point of telling a story, and it's why words and pictures go so well together to do it. In fact, whenever I'm facilitating a digital storytelling workshop, I think of this great quote from developmental psychologist Edith Ackerman. She was really interested in the little conversations we have with created artifacts like the photo. She wrote, People learn by switching roles from being producers to being critics, from being actors to being audiences, from holding the stage to moving into the background. That's exactly what happens here. The photo itself and Lauren's story prompted a related memory for Veronica, and she cuts in. Oh, nice. new, yeah, because usually the new kids, they stick to one counselor sometimes. So they get stuck to them first because, like, since they help them out, they probably feel, like... More comfortable. Yeah, because... Mm. I remember when I was a child and I was a camper here, like, in my first year here, I was really nervous because I didn't know any of these people. Mm -hmm. And the first counselor in that time, she wasn't in my group, she wasn't my counselor, and I realized that she was a nice, kind person, so I got stuck to her. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, like, I'm a little upset that she left. Yeah. Yes. I know. <laughs> I remember at the park, I was on, like, this, like, little game, and it, I needed someone to, like, spin me, so I was sitting there bored. And she, she, she like spoke to me in Spanish and she was like, do you need help? And I was like, yeah, but I was like so nervous just coming here for the first time. Uh-huh. Notice what's happening here. Veronica and Lauren aren't just swapping stories about camp photos. They're really practicing empathy, thinking back on what it felt like to be a young camper. And then I believe using those memories to shape their relationships today. I was really excited about this because that was basically the theme that the group had chosen for their story. I started using a shorthand to summarize their vision. I was saying, uh, from campers to counselors, the movie. And they really liked the phrase camp generations. But whatever words you want to use, what they were doing was negotiating their changing identities, claiming these new roles of leader and of caretaker. The process of making media gave us a powerful opportunity to reflect explicitly about all of this. 
I think sometimes it also helped us get a little more personal, maybe go a little bit deeper. After our conversation about the photo, Lauren was telling another story, and I tried out a little theory I was forming about Lauren's persona around camp. I'm going to do the new counselor's dance, and my head counselor also said she needed help, so I told her I'd help, so I might have to dance with one of the other counselors Mm -hmm. in, like, their counselor dance, so... Is this like a, I'm getting the sense that like, that you are a, uh, a very supportive person. Is that, is, am, I, am I getting that right? My mom gets really mad about it too because she says I put others needs before mine. I'm just that type of person. You just, you, you see that somebody needs help with their dance and you say, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll help you out, I'll dance with you. Yeah, so I might have to dance with one of the other guy counselors. Mm-hmm. Is that nerve wracking? Yeah, because it's a slow dance, too. It's oh, like a wow. song from Beauty and the Beast. Hmm. Is that his idea or your Ooh, idea? Funny. <laughs> I realize these recordings aren't going to win any awards for audio engineering, but I am so glad that I have them. Did you catch that last part? Let me first say that I am not a youth minister or K-12 teacher by training or by disposition. I don't really think I'm that great with young people. But having these conversations around photos and stories and little impromptu explanations of camp rituals means that I don't need to be naturally gifted to connect in this context of teaching and research. Dylan, Lauren, and Veronica are the experts about their experience as counselors and also about each other. Lauren's openness about the slow dance thing and Veronica's little laugh afterward seemed to me like signals that everyone was feeling safe and enjoying each other's company. I don't think I would have risked my little was that his idea or your idea comment otherwise. I'm usually pretty conservative about uh, assuming a higher level of intimacy than we, than we might have. My job, both as a researcher and a storytelling facilitator, was to share a few prompts to get the conversation going, to read the energy of the room and make sure we were all listening and connecting, and then occasionally to nudge the group back in the direction of whatever storytelling or media production task we were working on. The relationships, the artifacts, and the young people's passion about sharing their experiences, those are the ingredients that come together to really drive this work forward. All right, dear listener, here's where I come clean. We've covered a lot of ground in this pilot episode about my pilot study, but one thing you haven't heard is literally anything explicitly religious. What's the point of a pastor doing this research? What's the point of this church hosting a secular summer camp? How is this in any way a show about religious education? We're going to get into it uh, in the very next episode, in fact. Here's a little preview from my conversation with Dylan after we finished the project. I asked him what he thought of the idea of making a video uh, in Sunday school or in some other church activity, and he said it depends on who would be making the video. I think his answer is pretty telling. Uh-huh. If it was kids, I'd probably be like, oh, I have to sit in the church listening to people up in the altar and 
and just sit there. Mm. But if it would be like the parents, it'd be like, oh, oh God, it's helping me. We're talking about agency, relevance, and student-centered learning in the next episode of Faith Adjacent. Talk soon. Faith Adjacent is the podcast companion to ongoing dissertation research being conducted by me, Kyle Oliver, and supervised by Lalitha Basudevan in the Communications, Media, and Learning Technologies Design Program at Teachers College, Columbia University. Special thanks to Lauren, Veronica, and Dylan, and everyone at the St. Sebastian Summer Camp, and to my colleagues in research and podcasting at the Media and Social Change Lab. You can subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and I hope if you enjoyed it, you'll share it with a colleague or leave a review. Our theme music is Intimate Moment by MFYM and licensed for use on this podcast via gemendo.com. Check out the show notes for this episode to see the reference for that Edith Ackerman quote, a link to Story Center's website, and more resources and further reading. <laughs>